My name is Megan Walker, your host. And today our special guest is James Dirksen. Hi, James. How are you today? Hi, Megan. I'm very good. Thank you for inviting me onto the podcast. And James recently attended the conference in Darwin. And so the purpose of this podcast is to hear all about that and have a bit of a chat about what James learnt while he was there. So, James, do you want to just start off by telling us a bit about who you are and where you work, and then we'll talk about the conference. Yeah, so I'm James Dirksen. I am a surveyor living in Harvey Bay in Queensland, and I very much enjoyed here. I grew up here um, as a kid, and I stayed here as a result. I uh, went to university in USQ in Toowoomba, and was there on campus for four years. Uh, it was... Uh, quite visually cold there in winter and decided I don't uh, particularly, I like the cold, but not when it blows through every single garment you have on. <laughs> but uh, but no, I also returned home to the beach and uh, quite happy with it. So basically I, uh, I'm a surveyor at Surveyors at Work. Uh, we are a company of about 16 people all up. Uh, we have surveyors sort of all over uh, Australia or the East Coast, um, just sort of working based out of Harvey Bay, but we have some in a mine in South Australia and we have ones working on uh, road projects sort of for um, uh, main roads and road tech and uh, CMC and quite a few different uh, people. And I usually work in the cadastral side of things uh, as a field surveyor and reinstatements and that sort of thing under the supervision of a fully registered surveyor, which I am currently working towards getting. Good on you. Fantastic. And so in all your travels all over Australia, James, had you ever been to Darwin before? No, I, there was the first time I'd ever been to Darwin. I, was, I really wanted to go to this conference and I already had some holidays booked on later in the year and I thought, oh, you know, I might stretch the money too tight. And then when I won this prize, I was like, wow, that's brilliant because I really wanted to go to these things. I love, I love going to professional conferences, especially ones, uh, uh, you know, big ones that are, have people from all over the world there. It's, it's very interesting. And some of the, uh, the discussions you have are eye opening because uh, you realize, you know, that we have a lot to improve upon in Australia, but we also have things that we can help other countries with that we're actually better at because um, we all you know grow up in different circumstances and we you know we we do our things our own ways but um, I think that diversity as a global industry helps us to thrive when we open our eyes to the differences that's awesome and James tell us some of the things what did you learn at the conference I suppose there's lots and lots there it's hard to you know kind of drill it all down but tell us maybe sort of the top three or five things that you took away from your experience Ah, well, it was, it was great uh, talking to uh, some of the Surveyor Generals. Um, I know we were talking about it earlier and uh, talking about uh, Narelle Underwood, um, who's the, uh, the first female uh, Surveyor General of New South Wales. And she was a, a very inspirational person to talk to and discuss because I felt that um, sort of my ideologies on the industry were very similar to hers mm. and the what what she's implementing for surveyors in New South Wales um, in regards to survey mark preservation and 
many things like that where they'll they'll write up my street and what I really care about because in Queensland, uh, mark preservation is something to be desired. And um, I know that the SSSI with um, some of the officers in the state government and the Department of Main Roads, they are they are sort of starting to do it, um, get behind actually sort of enforcing the law in regards to mark preservation, but they're doing us a bit of a soft entry into it. They've got done up a brochure that um, gives the idea of handing that out to civil contractors or councils, especially councils, because they're typically the worst at it. Um, but um, but the way she's she's gone pretty much a bulldog into the uh, whole thing and she's gone quite hard on it. And as a result, there's a lot more surveying jobs and there's but also the best part is that the security of tenure in New South Wales has uh, has been increased because she's made the law the law, you know. She's yeah. actually she's actually done a good job. She's done very well at it. Fantastic. Oh, that's great. And so that was a standout. What that are some of the other That was a standout for me, you know, like yeah. Edgar, but there were so many great people like there were fellas my young blokes my age or younger there were people from overseas I was talking to and what they were doing, you know, and, and just the differences in the way they do things, um, you know, it was a good eye opener. And I, I'm actually, I'm a follower of quite a few different industries. I'm, I'm sort of, I'm a big admirer of the manufacturing industry actually. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and they, cause they have very good processes that they have to run through to be um, profitable. Mm and to be competitive and some of the other countries around the world, they're taking what like you have, especially places like Thailand and um, other sort of countries that are um, manufacturing powerhouses and they all, the way, the way they run lots of their business and the way they run the surveying industry is very similar to the manufacturing industry. And they are really up with the times in terms of technology. Okay. And um, trying to push that forward and try to make everything, um, it's not making it simpler, but it's making it more defined, I think, mm. making it easier for the public. And I know there's people in Australia, there's really, really good people like um, uh, Matt Higgins from the, from the state government here in Queensland. He's, he's a smart cookie and he's, I had a good chat to him and he's, he's one of the people that are right into the modernisation of, um, could ask for at least the records and um, making it simpler for people to access. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, there was, there was a lot of good things. There's also some good technology I saw, which I thought would, uh, is going to make a big difference to the way lots of um, even just uh, normal engineering surveyors and uh, that will be doing their work in the future. There's a, um, I think it was a CSIRO project. There was a bunch of fellas from that who have um, designed this uh, drone. And the drone um, has a LiDAR module bolted to the bottom of it. And what they've done in the software is it can guide itself through tunnels while also measuring a nice 3D point cloud. And so what they've been testing in is, uh, is in underground mines where they'll have a, have a shaft and they can go down and actually get a really accurate volume of the material they've removed 
way better than anything that has ever existed because to get anything close to that, you'd be putting people's lives at risk because there's things like falling stones and that. But if you can stick a drone down there, you know, it might be worth a bit of money, but it's not someone's life. And But the accuracy that they're achieving from this in the time span they're doing it is simply phenomenal. Like, you know, you still have to go through and traditionally survey the, you know, the tunnel control and get that all done properly and set up so that you can match, tie it all in. Mm. But, yeah, just it's, it's great technology. And it's tech, similar technology to what they're using in trying to do with self-driving cars in the uh, automotive industry. It's, uh, but it's, it's good to see that there, you know, that there is starting to be connections between our industry and other industries. Yeah. And I think, you know, as far as continuation and trying to get, um, you know, more recognition as an industry, we need to take ownership of, you know, and plus we need to work with the other industries to utilise technology that someone else has already developed. That's so exciting. Yeah. And, and so coming back then to your, your you know, post-conference life, what, yeah. uh, what are some of the things have you thought, gee, I'm going to do that differently or I'm going to talk to the other people I work with about this or what about applying it back into, yeah, the, the day-to-day of what you do? Has there been things there that you'd change or implement? Yeah, well, so one of the things uh, after, uh, yeah, like the mark preservation thing is the biggest thing for me, like it, it really is. Um, everything else is really good. But this is like something that really is important because we'll get to a point where, because there's so many people out there with total stations and GPSs that have no formal training or any, and any training they do have on site is of a poor quality. Mm-hmm. And I think the only way that we can get around this is by, you know, making sure that the people we're working with understand how to do things properly so if we go onto a construction site or something where you can tell that people are doing stuff not quite right is that we voice them and say look you know that that's you if you want to do it properly you need to do this 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 this, and you shouldn't be going to a lesser standard than that because Mm -hmm. you don't have any guarantees of your work and um but you know that's so i've started i really have working on construction sites you know saying this to you know the, the, the principles mm. um you know this is you know you should use because there's a lot of principal contractors you work for and they're in the dark ages they are they are they're so far behind like this last recent site i was working for they none of the engineers even had autocad or 12d or any kind of software that can actually open a digital model oh wow and that's in 2019 and I mean, lots of the engineers there that are site engineers and they're just doing quantity, like, you know, get doing orders and quantities and, you know, site modifications to plans and things when they have an issue. But the thing is, is that like I've, I'm, I'm spending time, we're going out and I've got the modeling software on my computer. I go out, I do these nice, pretty looking 3D models and volumes and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. And I go to the engineer and like, oh, can you do up a PDF for that? I'm like, yeah, it's going to take time though. Oh, why is that? I said, well, because for you to get the same amount of information, which I've recorded on a piece of paper, yeah. that takes some time, proper time to plan draft. And, it, and it's never going to be as good as if you just had a 3D model and you go in there and you click on that point and you could see what the coordinate and the height was. You could see what the change along you know, the, the control lines were and what the offset was, you could see that and you can see 
you can go into a 3D mode and have a look at the differences in 3D. You can see it with your own eyes instead of, you know, imagining it off a bit of paper. Mm-hmm. And um, that's what I've said to them. You know, I, I even recommended lots of folks just free software, just like viewing software that lots of the big software developers offer mm. just to view files. I said, you know, you should be at the minimum running this stuff. So because there's lots of things that you get on those engineering plans that have the paper plans from the design engineers, which are wrong. They're different to the models. And if you had the models in digital, you'd be able to scrutinise it and then go back. Whereas we're coming in to do a job and we're the first ones to scrutinise it and finding errors. And and all of a sudden you're like, oh, we've got machinery sitting around costing X amount of dollars a day and that you're not using because we've come in assuming all that's been done, the reconnaissance has been done, but it hasn't because they're working on it on the job and they're working off paper plans, which I assume is correct. And, and this must, um, you know, in so many industries, this is happening where there's the ones who've grabbed the technology and then are running with yeah. it and seeing the advantage and then the others who are doing the same way, we've yeah. kind of always done it. And there'll be a point, if we haven't already reached it, where those two worlds no longer speak the same language. And if you yeah. don't keep up, you're just behind, aren't yeah. you? And that's what I say to these fellows who are, you know, they're, they're, not, they're, not, they're not big companies I'm talking about, but they're... Mm-hmm. Still reasonable size companies that have reasonable size contracts. Mm. And, you know, there's a big push from the state government. It might even be legislated now to get to use BIM, building information models, you know, through 3D models. So if there's a project that's over a certain amount of money, I can't remember if it was $5 million or $50 million or there was, there was an amount of money for a certain project, mm. especially if it's a state project. If you do that, you have to have a as-built BIM model done of it on datum that's supplied to the state mm. for mapping and GIS and all those sorts of purposes. So they've got a 3D model of the finished product. And none of these companies are, you know, these smaller sort of um, civil companies which are doing some pretty decent size, um, you know, decent size you know, work, they have no idea about this stuff. Oh, wow. And, and like, because you like, oh, there's a culture in engineers when they go through university. Oh, we don't want to do the surveying forces. Oh, why do we have to do that? And then you start talking to them on site about something like, oh, that's why. That's why, exactly. <laughs> oh, like, gee. And the technological yeah. divide is only going to, to widen, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, and, and James, we, we'll start, sort of start to wrap it up there. But um, thank you so much for being our very deserved winner. Like It sounds like you just got so much out of it and, we love your passion and it, your enthusiasm. It was, and- it, 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 well, I, I'm, I was absolutely flattered to be offered that. It was fantastic. And I, I love Darwin. I love the conference. I love the people I met there. Um, it was, it, it, it sort of, it was a once in a lifetime opportunity, but you know, like me, you know, the Swayze Trust putting the money up for me to go there um, has really made me want to go to all these things now. Like that's the thing, you know, it's, it's, um, I've, I've tried to do all the ones I've could in the past, but it's been pretty tricky, but I'm going to put my, um, heel in and just do it, just do it because like it, 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 it opens you, your mind up to the possibilities and the shortfalls you have in your, yourself really. Yeah. Oh, just yeah. the value of investing in yourself and investing back into your industry, isn't that's, it? That's right. You know, and you got good economists and they talk about investments and they say the 
best investment you can make is in yourself. And that's, mm, you know, that's hundred percent. Cause as soon as you know what you can do and if you can make yourself more versatile and more skilled, the better well, as an employee or a professional, you are much more attractive and you yourself will have a much easier life because you already know how to do it. Yeah. <laughs> good on you. Oh no, thanks James. And I really appreciate you talking to us today and sharing your story. Well, and we well, wish Megan. you, wish you all the best and um, catch you later. Thank you very much, Megan. Thank you.